1: Rob McCarran. Should we begin with the puking or should we begin with the topics that will change the face of WWE forever? Jeff Hawkins.
2: We are not here to talk about Curtis Hughes.
1: You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins.
2: Nobody's listening for hockey talk. Any major dude with half a heart surely will tell you, my friend. Any minor world that breaks apart falls together again. When the demon is at your door in the morning, it won't be there no more. Any major dude will tell you. Steely Dan, R.I.P. to the great Walter Becker. This week on Shake Them Ropes Raw is member berries. Member John Cena versus Kurt Angle. Member Braun Strowman versus Big Show one. Member Jeff Hardy as I.C. champ. Hell, member the promo battle from last week. I remember. On SmackDown, Kevin Owens going up, Sami Zayn going down. Carmel's Worth going weird and Orton and Nakamura going motivated NXT is Oscar saying goodbye. And we go a bit over the May Young classic today. I'm Jeff Hawkins and I still have perfect attendance. Rob McCarron is suspended this week. So bravely and valiantly returning to fill in this week to handle my stupidity is the host of Lucha of the Hidden Temple on the voices of wrestling network, Chris Novembrino and Chris, on that Oscar thing, this is not a woman who should be getting flowers, right? But rather a steak and a bottle of bourbon.
1: Yeah, but I, I enjoyed that entire segment. I want to just talk about Steely Dan. Can we talk about, like, can we make the Steely Dan them ropes?
2: Yeah, sure. If, if, just a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, what's your favorite Steely Dan cut? I, I love Steely Dan. I think they're just a fantastic band. Oh, yeah. and if you're a musician on any level, some of the things that they did, not just quarterly, but, like, also rhythmically. Like, there's this whole... Study, it's called the Purdy Shuffle, um, which is this uh, 12-8 shuffle beat. You know what I'm talking about.
2: It's the drummer.
1: It's the drummer. And there are things that Steely Dan, as a band, did that no one else was doing. And if you've never listened to a Steely Dan record, I highly recommend just sit down, listen to a full album and like let it wash over you these guys were incredible musicians
2: they're they're such theory geeks and and there there's a bunch of videos like donald fagan breaking down peg and doing like different how they decide what chords to do and things like that my favorite steely dan track though oh i don't i mean you know you have the obvious ones which are great but the one off the beaten path i really like is black cow off of uh Asia.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I like Deacon Blues a lot. Deacon Blues is great. Deacon Blues is awesome, Uh, but for me, I really like Do It Again.
2: I'm a big Peg fan. I, I love Peg as a song. Yeah, Peg's awesome. Just, it's one of those ones I can listen to over and over again, and there's another, there's a video, there was a DVD that came out about the making of Asia, and they're just kind of sitting at the, at the board, kind of going over different parts and, and things like that. And they're, they, you know, they get to the Michael McDonald thing and kind of climb a bit. They so cool. Right. And they're, and they're, and they're cranky too because like they hate the guitar solos that they had before they got right. So they're just sit on there going, yeah, this guy, what did he do <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So uh, anyways, before we get started real quick, a word about our sponsor this week, this week, shake them ropes brought to you by the fine people at blue apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. As I've said on this show, the best meal I think I've ever ate was something I made for myself from Blue Apron, and I've been chasing recreating it ever since. Uh, You might surprise yourself with what you can do in the kitchen. If you don't think you can make something complicated, you get a nice big color sheet that takes you through step by step. People, I've learned how to zest with Blue Apron. I had never zested before. Uh, choose from new recipes. We never zested. I had never zested. It, it was just something I had never, you know. It, it you know, I was a, always afraid of getting like the the white stuff in there, you know, the the as opposed to just the uh, as opposed to just the zest. But uh, you can choose from new recipes weekly, and those recipes aren't repeated within a year. So if you're like me and you need a little variety in your diet, Blue Apron is for you, and it's affordable for less than ten bucks a person. Support the show. Say you love us. And check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash shake. You'll love how good it feels and tastes. increase to create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com/slash shake. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Yeah, I had never zested before.
1: Well, you gotta zest, man. And when you're zesting, you can listen to some Steely Dan. Just one more note on Peg. I've actually gotten to play Peg like in bands doing covers of it. Oh, and nice. those chord changes are awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like me some Steely Dan. I just love their whole process, dude. The bringing in all these different guitarists and different keyboardists and different ancillary musicians and just trying them out. So they would bring in you know, skunk Baxter and like he would come in and track something. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, it didn't.
2: And the drummer on peg was not Purdy. It was another guy. And he basically says, right. You got to love the guys, but you can't get attached. It's like you're really good friends and you come in and you play and they go, man, that's great. And the next day they bring in a whole new band. They didn't just bring in musical, musical parts. They brought in whole new bands to play the same song over and over again. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, they just tried out different pieces to get that right fit for that song, and so that's what makes like a Steely Dan album sort of sneaky is that it's not one band, right? Yeah, it's like. Fifteen different bands, depending on which track you're listening
2: to. I wanted, I wanted to be the Steely Dan of comedy when I started doing improv. My two man, I said, I want to be Steely Dan. I want to be that, r- the really a little bit too smart for the room, but still really good on theory and the theory solid. And even if people don't get us per se, they'll still enjoy us. I mean, that that's, that's how I always view Steely Dan. They're, they're they're the real brainiac kids who who had that sense of humor that you didn't quite get. But you still like their music. It's still great. That's what I always love about them.
1: Yeah, kids. If you want to get good at music, review and learn Steely Dan. That is my tip to you. But let's get into some wrestling. Jeff, where do you want to start?
2: I. You know what? I, I like going in order. Me Rob too. likes to jump all over the place. Oh, um, no, no,
1: no, no, no. Miles likes to do that to me. I don't like that.
2: <laughs> uh, Raw uh, this week was interesting. It, it almost was like they were building everything on a bit of nostalgia. Which was weird because I, I personally, I don't like being told how to feel. And I think it kind of undermined, like especially, and I'm, I'm speaking primarily of the, of the Kurt Angle versus John Cena uh, illusions in the Jason Jordan match, which I thought was really, really good. But it's almost like they advertise, we're manipulating you right now so that you like this as much as you liked that match.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tricky, right? It's a fine line between creating context and creating a backstory for the match. So it's not a no-reason match between Jason Jordan and John Cena that for no reason is getting 18 minutes and Jason Jordan loses. It creates a grander context, uh, but I'm definitely with you. It, it didn't live up to the oomph that, that John Cena, I Have Ruthless Aggression, Attacking Kurt Angle moment had. Uh, but I do think that it was fitting with the themes of the show because the show's kind of bookended with nostalgia where you have the Kurt Angley stuff at the beginning of the show and then at the end of the show, the big show in the steel cage and his history in WWE involving a steel cage. So, there, like, it was very much a historic, quote-unquote, episode of Raw this week?
2: Yeah. I mean, as I put it, member berries. Uh, let, let me ask you this, because it's something that I was thinking about in the aftermath of Raw. Given the story that they're telling here with Roman Reigns, and we'll get to that in a moment, with John Cena saying he's younger and, and more in shape than he's ever been, et cetera, et cetera. What if John Cena had lost this match to Jason Jordan and then... Roman Reigns comes out and does a promo battle with him? I think that would have
1: been really good, especially if it had been something like a subtle John Cena loses by countout. Yeah. Something more nuanced. So it's not like he gives up a clean pin. If you want to do the quick roll up thing, I, I guess that'd be fine. But I actually think that the count out leaves more unresolved and a reason to kind of revisit the match more than like the quick roll up does. So doing something like that would be good. Not
2: even a roll up, but maybe, you know, he's doing the you can't see me and gets like gets like a small package or, you know, gets caught with something, but it's, right. it's his arrogance that brings him down as opposed to, you know, being focused. And maybe, maybe it's just a playoff of the cockiness of last week. I, I was thinking about that. And I went, you would have really helped Jordan a little bit more because you've, you've already kind of tipped your hand to what you're trying to do here. If you, if you kind of swerve the audience just slightly and have Jordan win the match, but you still go on with the Roman feud, because John Cena doesn't need wins and losses to, to be relevant.
1: Jason Jordan. It doesn't does. change him. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan could really use that, and so I, I think winning a count-out victory over John Cena, where he is just a step quicker than John Cena, just having that visual to even go back and revisit, I think that would be good, uh, and... and I'm not really sure what they're doing with Roman right now, right? Because during the promo between Cena and Roman, (laughs) we literally get John Cena going, the crowd wants to see you get your ass kicked, and the crowd cheers for him. So that's a heel, right?
2: I have no idea why they decided to revisit this the way they did. Because it would seem to me like you really want to... (laughs) You really want to rethink this and maybe let... Let the stink from last week cool off before you go back to the well again. And to me, Roman, you know what? Roman didn't do any favors with the casual homophobia.
1: No, no, that, that was not helping. And you saw John Cena start corpsing going like, bro, I'm trying to help you out. Yeah. here. I'm really doing the best I can on the mic here. And every time we hand you the ball, we can't trust you with it for more than three yards. I
2: mean, between between that and the Enzo queso dip, Line, oh, Pepper
1: Jack, dude.
2: It's no, like yeah. this, is, this is no longer 1986. You can't cut promos like that, okay? The the audience, I mean, wrestling woke Twitter will will get on you about these types of things, and and it's just it, it's it's
1: not even just woke Twitter it, though, right? Like no, it's no, in this, bad taste. It's
2: normal, yeah, it's normal bad taste, but this was a week for bad taste on promos. I mean, it was that. That's my overall arching theme was was. And, and let's let's have a bit of an aside here before we, we get back into. I mean, the Kevin Owens helicopter line. I mean, this is up there with the with the the Bella Twins. I wish like you had you died, died in the womb. womb. Yes. Or or the or the Page invoking Charlotte Flair's sister or uh, brother, the Reed Flair line oh, during. Yeah, Mayfield. that's right. I mean, you're already getting heat. For the promo, especially in the Kevin Owens case and in the Cena Roman Reigns case, you know Enzo Enzo's his own loose cannon crap that he's doing. But in those two things, you've already got goodwill in some ways on your side. Why are you jeopardizing it by doing the by by making in one case a stupid aside in Roman's case and in in Owens's case that was scripted for him to try and you know, try and get the oohs and ahs, you know, but and it, it, it you know, it, it's a little bit too ham fisted to it's it's too on the nose, try hard. I'm trying to I'm trying to tweak the audience for the audience and the audience is already a heady on it a bit.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's actually a way to visit the helicopter thing in the context of the Owens promo and make it go like, oh, you wanna fall from a helicopter, and that's great, but you've got a pilot. You're not the guy flying the helicopter. Basically painting Shane as this guy of privilege. So you jump from a steel cage, but everything's reinforced down underneath the table for you so that you're protected, not like Mick Foley was. Uh, And you kind of keep painting this picture of... Yeah, Shane, you like to, quote-unquote, take the risks, but there's always this safety net underneath you, and I'm going to get rid of the safety net. Something like that. Something a little less on the nose than, I wish you had died in a helicopter crash. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that's—I mean, there's heelishness, and there's there's, just—there's beyond the— Beyond the pale, a little. <laughs> I wish you were dead. I mean, you you haven't you you know what you can say. I wish you were dead in wrestling promos. That's not what I, you. But you have to build that kind of animosity, and that kind of animosity has not been built yet for a Kevin Owens. No, shame. That that that's a Kevin Owens, Sammy Zayn type of line. Like I wish you were dead because I'm I'm always connected with you and I'm tired of you. And, and, you know, it's a blood feud. Yeah. But this isn't a blood feud yet. This is just angry at one another. And, and it, yeah, it didn't work for me, but back to this, back to this rain Cena thing. I, I just, it it's, <laughs> you, you ever watch a fight and you, you see a, a guy that thinks he can fight, but he really doesn't have the skills, but he keeps coming back for more. And you're just like, stop. Yeah. Just that that's Roman Reigns talking. Yep. Roman Reigns yeah, dude thinks he's, he's getting victory. annihilated. He is kidding. He's just blown just out of murdered. the building. I mean it is it's 10 8 10 7 rounds if this is boxing. I mean this is just like stay down. Stay down and stop embarrassing your family.
1: I don't know why they keep putting him in these situations because here's the trick with wrestling, y'all, especially in WWE. It's not about the match. It's about the promos. And every time Roman is getting put into the ring with Cena in these contexts, he's just getting destroyed. It It's hard to watch on a certain level, Jeff.
2: Well, I, I posited this last week. I think he has a gift of gab, but it, but there's a couple things working against him. Number one, he's so over-scripted that he never really gets to talk in his natural voice. So he never gets used to being able to to do promos on the fly, like if this were a 1980s style studio show, you know. And he's just talking. But then, to can Lance you trust Russell. him? Yeah. And then you, you combine that with. Oh, man, I forgot the second part of my point here. So so rift a bit while I think of
1: it. No, there's the character, too, right? So it's still this amorphous, I'm not quite a heel or a full-on bad guy. I'm kind of arrogant, but I'm also kind of a baby face. But they've tweaked the character substantially from the initial babyface push, right? Like he no longer comes down through the crowd. He no longer does a number of the key babyface moves that he used to do. It's weird, though, because he sort of is this character with unclear motivations and an unclear nature.
2: I figured out what I was trying to say, because this is what happened last week. And this is, you know, actually just what happened to me. He fancies himself able to improvise and riff. But at the same time, he's trying to remember the lines word for word So he gets lost after he goes on his asides and things like that. He'll have to take a couple beats and go, where was I in the script? And he's running it down in his head, trying to think of where, where, as opposed to just the bullet points. He's not in the the moment. Yeah, no, it's a very unfocused actor type of mistake.
1: Yeah, there's also that as well. And then, as I was saying before, it's you can't trust Roman's uh, instinctual improvisational impulses because those could get him into trouble. Mm-hmm. I think with Cena, he gets himself into trouble too. I don't think that you know necessarily saying we love the beach balls off the top of his head was the most constructive thing in the world. But you know what the parameters are of John Cena's goofiness, zaniness on the microphone when he's speaking live, and he operates within an acceptable level of that because he does so much more good than harm. Right. With Roman Reigns,
0: eh?
2: Yeah, well, with Cena, he'll he'll go on those, he'll make that bad tangent, but you know he's going to bring it home in the end. Yep. You know, he knows when the big finish is, and he doesn't deviate from it. Roman is trying to get back to on track so he can go to the big finish, and he never gets there because he's so flustered, trying trying to one-up John, who is absolutely killing him, but he's flustering him to the point where he can't remember his lines at the same time. <laughs> So going on in this show, before we get to the big show, Braun main event, what did you think of this Jeff Hardy IC title match? It was okay.
1: I'm kind of lukewarm on the hardies right now because i just feel like they're stuck a little bit in autopilot matt comes on he cuts his promos he teases the broken gimmick but we don't really get the broken gimmick jeff what i'm really trying to tell you is i miss senior benjamin
2: <laughs> i miss i miss Skarsgård, the the dilapidated boat myself yes me too yeah. <laughs> i but uh you know i i thought but it's odd because i thought jeff was okay you know going through the motions of Nostalgia, Jeff Hardy, but I thought Miz was pretty good in this match. And he has and, been good. And it's so weird because I'm going to tie it in now. When Cena brings up Miz in the promo and it ends up hurting Miz's aura at the same time that they were trying to make him, you know, they're, they're basically saying he was a clown, but he's not. Now he's for real. I'm like, that's not exactly helping. <laughs> you know, you're kind of alluding to Miz. Miss has earned his spot, quote unquote, but at the same time, then you have to go back and think, oh, yeah, he used to be a clown and now he's earned his spot as opposed to thinking he's a star. But, you know, I, I don't like the Miztourage gimmick per se past the entrance or past the visual, because I, I just think it becomes like every other heel in that, you know, Weasley heels need to have that credibility of getting clean wins rather than having interference on every, every match. But since we don't have squash matches anymore, they can't really do that.
1: Yeah, I think The Miz, as a wrestler, has moved past the point where saying he used to be a clown, but now he's legit, is a thing that would help him. Mm -hmm. I think that there was a point maybe a couple of years ago, 2015, where a line like that actually would have been doing Miz a service, but he's now come so far that I don't think that's true. I, I'm with you, dude. I, I don't think the Ms. adds anything. I think Maurice is a clear value added yes. asset to the act. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would never separate the Miz and Maurice ever again. I think that they're, like, fantastic together. I would tease them, but they would always be working in storyline together in some way, whether she was, like, playing off of him or playing with him. Like, I would always have those guys together. And the Ms. doesn't do anything. I think that this was a clean enough win over Jeff Hardy that it was helpful, uh, but I could really do without the Mr. Raj.
2: Yeah, I mean, it'd be, you know, if you could see them, quote unquote, improving under the Mrs. Tutelage rather than just being geeks, I think there'd be something to that. Uh, but they do, they don't do that i mean it's basically <laughs> it's mistrash they're geeks sing brothers they're geeks i mean there's no real character progression right. in in lackeys so it ends up it ends up making the whole act seem kind of stale before it's time it
1: could be useful at at a certain juncture but it runs its course and then they really are they're just fucking there mm-hmm. you know it's like well the sings i mean it's cuz jinder can't wrestle I don't really know what the excuse is with the Miz though, because the Miz can wrestle. Just don't do a move to the outside, because he may or may not catch you.
2: Agreed. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh man. You, I had uh, that was a delayed. Oh yeah, he is terrible at catching the... Uh, <laughs> that is. <laughs> I just remember. I just remember they kept putting him in matches with Sami Zayn, and I was like, if I'm Sami, I'm I'm saying no, thank you. After the fourth time where I do my dive over the ropes and I'm not getting caught. No, thanks. I don't want to land all the way on the ground. <laughs> I really liked this big show Braun match, especially Me too. for big show. Cause I think big show never quite gets his due because of how he, he was built in WWE after coming over. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you something, A guy of his age, Getting in that kind of shape, I like the King Kong Bundy uh, homage look. I really do. Yep. Um, Me too. But the elbow off of the second rope, props for that. I, I just, I, you know, I, I the only way he could top that in my book is is that that long rumored moonsault that he was doing in the power plant when he was first trained. <laughs> But a guy mm. of that age and that size, going up that tall and doing that, and then taking the bump afterwards through the through the gimmicked cage wall, uh, just so that Braun could look like a damn superstar, which he is. Um, I, I, I I didn't mind revisiting this at all.
1: Okay, so. When they announced that it was going to be the Big Show versus Braun Strowman, or I first heard about it on Sunday, I was like, eh, it's the Big Show and Braun Strowman. We've seen this before. I'm not interested in this. And then we got to the promos for this match, and Braun Strowman promo, really good. Big Show promo, really good. <laughs> and it made the match feel important, and I knew that Big Show was going to lose, and that necessarily he had to lose, But through the course of the promo, which he delivered as well as any promo I've seen him deliver in several years here. I mean, it was clear, crisp, great delivery. It made me want to see him win. I think it would have made the average fan want to see him win. And they got into the ring, and you already hit the elbow spot. The elbow spot was awesome. The only spot in this match that didn't really work was the superplex spot, which I think that they thought was going to get bigger dividends. And it didn't. So Strowman goes over. He tosses Big Show through the cage. And I love that, too, because when Big Show debuted at St. Valentine's Day Massacre in 1999, he threw Austin through a cage. Yeah. So there's a little bit of uh, paralleling there. And so I guess that brings us to the question of what happens with the Big Show from here?
2: You know what? This is the role he's supposed to do. I mean, I I, I think, you know, at this point, you're not going to build him up to anything but you bring them out occasionally. Like I wouldn't mind seeing Samoa Joe and big show later when Samoa Joe comes back in this same kind of quote unquote, big match scenario, so to speak, um, as opposed to just a throwaway match. I, I, I agree with you on the promo. Um, it made something that you knew the inevitable outcome of still seem like it mattered in WWE canon. Even even though we knew it didn't, but and also it didn't have that, you know, the the Vince McMahon thesaurus effect where he's using a word because Vince falls in love with the word, but you know he wouldn't use it in his everyday lexicon, you know, like like they have no. This was
1: just a normal guy yeah. speaking.
2: Yeah, they, he didn't use the word decimate at any point.
1: And he was fired up and ready to go on the
2: entrance. Yeah, and this crowd was with him too, which is a good thing because sometimes crowds get ahead of the program. It's like, yeah, we know, like I was, when they announced this, I go, are they going to do the ring breaking spot? But then when they said cage, it's like, okay, they're doing the Mark Henry, Daniel Bryan type of, or was it Mark Henry and big show or Mark Henry and Daniel Bryan? When Mark Henry went through the cage again, or maybe it was a three way. I can't remember that. I do not
1: remember. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, uh, anything else from uh, raw that, uh, tickled your fancy?
1: I am really done with pretty much everything having to do with Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor.
2: Oh, dear Lord. Oh, I know what I want. Oh, top five possibly funniest spot of the year, or not of the year, but of, in WWE that I've seen, was that Alexa Bliss slapping Nia spot, and Nia screaming, and Alexa then screaming and getting her head taken off with the clothesline. I died at that. Alexa bliss is so great with the facials and just the whole stick. I, I don't want this to be a four way because you know, nope. you know, nope. you know who loses in this, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's obvious what they're doing to anybody who's watched WWE for more than six months is you do the four way. So that Naya pins Emma. I mean, that's, that's the yep. only way to do it. Right.
1: I would really like it if this somehow ended up with Emma winning the title, but it's it's not going to. I, I mean, here's the thing, man. Nia Jax, she's fine in the ring. Her promos are not no. fine.
2: No, it, it, it's, it's weird because watching the Mae Young Classic, they have two or three women in that tournament who could do the Nia Jax gimmick better than Nia Jax. Even though I, I like Naya. I do as a person. I like her as a wrestler. I kind of like her. It's just these pro the, the scripting they give her is dreadful. It's it it, it it's that phony tough. I'm a, a they're trying to make her a female, Br- uh, not Bray Wyatt, uh, Braun Strowman almost, and that that yes. doesn't that doesn't compute. You know, I I would go the model route. Like the entrance and kind of weave that into it a little bit. Her voice
1: and her words are not meshing together correctly. Naya doesn't speak in a way that is particularly intimidating, even when she's trying to be intimidating. And so I think that the writing team needs to figure out another way around.
2: How much of this is is I mean, is just me knowing that she's a sweetheart outside of this. Cause she is, if if you watch like media outside or WWE.com or her Instagram or whatever, you know, that she, she's just, she's just one of the nicest people on earth. And if you saw her on breaking ground, you know, that too. I mean, she's a, she's a former model who loves her mother a lot. I mean, that's what she is. I mean, or is it, or is it just in the vacuum? It's, it's not a connecting performance.
1: So I watched some of the ancillary stuff, but not all of the ancillary stuff, so I was aware of some of that. I, I've watched Breaking Ground, but like it's not present in my mind when I'm watching her on TV. And, and I just think that there's a certain lack of a fear factor with her, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. I think some of it has to do with the ring gear. The ring gear is uh, not quite intimidating. I don't know what they need to do to tweak that, but there's something about the way that she moves and is presented that doesn't quite uh, have that I'm going to smash everything in the world mode that they want her to be in. And she also doesn't really work like that either.
2: Yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think uh, God, there's, a, there's this thought in the back of my mind that one of the reasons they're building Tamina is because they think of Naya and Tamina as a super fight battle of female giants type thing for one of these combined roster shows.
1: Yeah. And I think, I, I think that there's dr- something to that. I think it's going to be garbage. That would
2: be dreadful. It would be absolutely yep. dreadful to watch. And I, you know, I, I, personally don't mind either of these two ladies. It's just, I think as a chemistry point of view, I think it would be oil and water almost you know, literally if you wanted to do that. Uh, so that's raw. Um, SmackDown, now, we went a bit over this Kevin Owens promo just a little bit. Uh, one thing I really liked in the Kevin Owens promo is the delivery of the line about the kids and going back to that. I, I it, it was a little bit on the nose, but it was you – know, you're supposed to emphasize it like that. But I, I'm thankful that they didn't do the Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon school of acting – where they really chew the scenery or your kids. You know, that kind of thing. I, I appreciated that at least they 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 attempted a bit of subtlety on on the uh on the Kevin Owens delivery on that line.
1: I think the one thing that would have put that line over a little bit more is if in the previous weeks here they had kind of reference the initial Kevin Owen's gimmick of I fight for my family mm. so that it could be even more bullshitty when he decides to start attacking Shane McMahon for his children.
2: Yeah. Or or even like having the kids come out and dance at one time just on on one of the prior weeks. And then you can go yeah. and then you get because the the reference to the kids comes from WrestleMania and that's you know, that's a few months past. Maybe people don't remember it. So if you do it like on a random show and really make no mention of it other than it's his family, uh, and then you kind of make that parallel. But the SmackDown was interesting in that it's one of those things where this whole story was a nice little through line that took some took some scripting and it took some, you know, it had to take Take steps to get to where it was going, and I, I you know what? As as a former writer, I appreciated that effort,
1: dude. This was a substantially better written Raw and SmackDown than I can remember in a while. Mm-hmm. So I would be interested to know what changed in the writing room because I, I agree with you. The through line of Kevin Owens meeting Daniel Bryan backstage, and Daniel Bryan tries to reason with Kevin Owens, and then we get more of this later on in the show when Daniel Bryan calls out Shane McMahon, and he talks to Shane, and then at the end of the show, when Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens meet again, and Daniel Bryan tells Kevin Owens, next week Vince McMahon's gonna be here, we have several different scenes that frame the show and the action. The only one I didn't like was the one right at the end of the show because it interrupted the continuity of the... Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton victory.
2: Yeah. Uh, the one thing that but didn't otherwise
1: work... I enjoyed it.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it too. The one thing that didn't work for me or I was questioning a little bit was Shane McMahon's reaction to Daniel Bryan when, when he was brought out. I wanted him to be a little bit more contrite. I wanted him to be a little bit more sorry and regretful and remorseful at his age as a father and a role model Rather than, and a guy who runs
1: a ra- company and an employer?
2: Yeah, rather than rather than the, the, the McMahon-esque, and, and I don't know if it, that's the reason or if they just didn't think this through, of uh, being defensive about, well, he talked about my kids. It's like you're a 40-something-year-old man. If someone calls you a name, you're not just going to punch them out of the blue. For me, there was a bit of disconnect with that. I, I've heard some people disagree with me on that, but I thought if he had come out and go, you know what, Daniel, I blew it. I Lost my temper. I am so sorry. I've embarrassed myself a little bit out here as opposed to the quote unquote alpha male response to it. I think it might have gotten over a little bit better.
1: No, I'm with you, especially for a company that runs the Be a Star campaign. I'm not necessarily to beat that dead horse, but I think the idea that someone could say something that is so incendiary that that gives you justification to hit them. Is uh, very thin ice for the company that rolls out the be a star campaign.
2: There's three. There's like three words you could say that that would make me believe that you you could punch a guy like that and and but you can't say those on WWE television. Let's put it that way.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. They're they're way off. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, they're way off limits in the context of wrestling, at least in the 21st century. And yeah, I, that you're not gonna get those on WWE television, and and fighting words were not said. I guess you could say he got kind of close with the "I wish you had died in a helicopter crash." <laughs> uh, um, that's honestly, I feel more strong than you know your kids, and just repeatedly bringing up that he's got children.
2: Yeah. I, 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 so, so. I, I'm so, not
1: there though. I don't think that that's a good reason to attack somebody. No, I, you know,
2: it's, you know, I don't even. I mean, even some of the words, you know, you kind of go, well, you know what? He's obviously trolling you. Why would you fall for that? You're an idiot if you do that. Of course, he was calling you a name, so he'd punch you. You know, you, you kind of look at it that way too. Um, so McMahon comes out next week and, and, and makes the Hell in the Cell match, you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that. So Shane is no longer going to be allowed to be the commissioner. He's going to have to be a competitor in the Hell in a Cell match. And maybe his future as commissioner depends on his victory at Hell in the Cell or something like that.
2: So for the main event on SmackDown, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, two performers who... And some
1: working boots
2: two exactly two performers who have been accused of maybe phoning it in from time to time both very very motivated on this show i thought i really enjoyed this for a television main event it wasn't let's put it this way it wasn't g1 finals but for what wwe does for television main events i thought this was quite good especially because i am a i am a randy orton hater i i mean i i i don't he's not turn off the tv hate but he's just like oh here we go we're gonna get ddt spot power slam spot four fake rkos before he hits the real one cash a check go home and i don't knock him for that necessarily because you know what it's all about getting paid and doing as little as he can but this match i really liked a lot
1: man i thought this match worked really well and this is I don't know if I want to say the best Nakamura match I've seen him have since he's been in WWE.
2: I'll go with but that, but it's
1: certainly up there. I'll yeah, go, dude. Go, you I mean, know It what? felt no.
2: comfortable. No, it felt like him. You mean main roster or overall? Because you know that's main same, roster. That's Sam not not match. NXT. Yeah, that Sammy. No, that was match cool. Still the is still the the bar, uh, so to yes. speak. But uh, yeah, I liked that. I you know what? Randy Orton doing a clean job. For Nakamura without like the Singh brothers interfering or doing a distraction I think I think we may be underplaying how much this did for the casual fan for Nakamura
1: I agree I, I think it did do a lot I, and I thought just that whole final sequence where Nakamura always had an answer for the RKO and they were different answers than we've seen other people have for the RKO in the past and his final answer set up the Kinshasa. It, it just worked really, really well. And, and I agree. I think that the casual fan, the person who did not watch high era Nakamura you know from 2012 to 2014, 2015 in New Japan, the person who didn't get to see that, this was much closer to that uh, that in the Sami Zayn NXT match. Than anything they've gotten from Nakamura thus far, and I think it may have cemented in people's minds that yes, this guy is a top level talent.
2: Yeah, that that, that I mean, I that's the kind of failed RKO I want to see from Randy Orton. I am I am a little bit done with the obviously I'm I have I have him in a headlock type of thing from behind. But there's no way I'm gonna drop down and hit an RKO or drop down without his head type of thing that where you know it's not a real RKO attempt but but it's teasing it for the crowd. I mean, I understand the tease aspect of it, but it just looks so fake I, I, but the but the RKO attempt into the into the uh, arm bar ow oh, that spot was so beautiful. I loved it.
1: It all worked really well. I, I thought that this was a great match. I'm interested what Randy and Shinsuke said to each other right after the match because like right after the match they're both laying on the mat and they have like a quick little aside before they go back to selling.
2: Yeah, I think it was probably like, oh, that was really good. <laughs>
1: I, I, I can only imagine. I, I think that like Orton was happy to do the work in this match. Mm-hmm. He came he came to work. When
2: he's he happy was not mentally work. checked out on this one, and that, and that's just it. When he's happy to work, when it, you know what? I think he thought it was worth his time to put Nakamura over. I, I can't, I can't go into his head into what he thinks, but there's some guys. I mean, like all these gender matches he did, you could just tell he was miserable doing them. I mean, it, it, it's, oh, it's from not, the
1: obscenities that he would say throughout the matches? It,
2: yeah, it's not. Oh, well, I didn't even notice that. Did, did he? I mean, because, you know, he's he's prone to have his little temper tantrums from time to time. See Kofi Kingston. But I didn't notice him cussing. In the match but but he has
1: uh well i i would say go back and watch that punjabi prison match again but i like you and i don't want you to do that to yourself <laughs> but inside of that punjabi prison match yes he uh swears multiple times i, I think it's they were not clicking okay. uh, i mean that match of course was not good but they they were not clicking and i think that the frustration was not just from the selling
2: yeah he has he has worse boo-boo face than uh sasha banks Sasha Banks has to lose a title, uh, which she, yeah. She, oh she yeah, is, yeah. She has it's, every right to pout too, in my opinion, because they never let her win with the title. Uh, um, yeah, oh, okay. I may go back and watch that. I, I, I you know what? I, I was so tuned out. Don't. I like job, you.
1: Don't, thing. don't, don't watch it again. Don't. You don't. You don't need to do that, Jeff. You. you there's better things that one could do with their time, like open cans or <laughs> I don't know. Me
2: and
3: Becky go to the shoe
1: store. Yeah. <laughs> anything um, really.
2: What is up with Sami Zayn?
1: I don't know, man. What the hell are we doing? And why is he trading wins with Aiden English? And why is Aiden English's theme so god-awful? Is
2: he really trading wins? Or is he just losing all the time? <laughs> because I don't well, know. Well, yeah, that,
1: that was the wrong way of putting it. Yes, why is he losing to Aiden English? This
2: a, and, and oh my god. It, it, it goes to one of the things that has driven me absolutely bonkers about they're dealing with Bailey is, is this straight ahead baby face who then does something terrible to try and stand up for themselves, but it comes off heelish. Why is he attacking a guy after a clean loss when he blew it by missing a cross body? That's not that's not a babyface thing to do. He should, you know, I don't mind the sulking if you're going to do the losing streak gimmick, but him getting angry about it when it's on him just makes him look like a moron. Yeah,
1: and he's really been adrift as a character for a while. And you're seeing that, unfortunately, I feel like, with Finn Balor on the other side of the roster, too, where it's these guys get up to the main roster and they are a talent level that really is a step above where they're at on the card. So Sami Zayn should probably be involved in the U.S. title picture. He should be having matches with AJ Styles or kind of in that mix, or maybe there's a number one contenders tournament, and he's going for the mid-card title. Finn Balor should really be wrestling for the top title. And uh, that's the Universal over there on Raw, right? Um, uh, is that, it, It's the world <laughs> title on SmackDown, the Universal on Raw, right? Yeah. The red one, yes, yes. the big Universal red one. Design. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: who's
0: the, who's who's the
2: linear champ right now? Let me.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. You'll have to ask uh, your Rob, normal broadcast yeah. partner on that. Yeah, he he knows these things. I wouldn't. Uh, but yeah, I know. Like Finn Bauer should be going for the top title, and he's kind of stuck in the middle. Sami Zayn is stuck in this go nowhere feud, and with this go nowhere character, and it it just it's sad. It sucks. I don't really have another way of putting it. I would rather him I would rather him be a partner with Chad Gable. Give me Sami Zayn and Chad Gable as a tag team rather than plugging in Sheldon Benjamin, who I like as a wrestler and think he's a fine guy. But uh, it felt... How, how do you feel about the Chad Gable-Sheldon Benjamin pairing?
2: I think it's going to last two weeks and Sheldon's going to turn on him.
1: I think that's also true. Oh, I just didn't I, I like the plug-in. I,
2: I don't. I don't mind it as a team. I I, th- I like having, I mean, I my preference was having Shelton and Ziggler as a team, to to. to I like and, that and to try and get that mojo back. But that was assuming that they could fight American Alpha, and you'd have two teams of grapplers. You know, which was the good thing about the Jordan build was, oh, my God, they're trying to get a wrestler over as a wrestler. Holy crap.
1: Right. What what a right. novel
2: concept.
1: No, I like uh, I like Sheldon and Ziggler, uh, but Ziggler's not isn't his contract going to be up sometime soon.
2: Yeah, it's at the end of the year, and I think he's probably going to leave at least for a while. But Sammy, it's like it's like with Finn Balor, at least he gets he gets that crappy exposition. And it's a hook because of the demon character, so they're gonna play up Bray saying you can't win without the demon, you know. But it's boring. Ooh, what a twist! Yeah, it's it's boring in that way. With Sammy, they, they, his gimmick is he's likable, so people don't like him. That that's just a dumb gimmick, to be honest with you. It it, it turns I me. Mean, oh, he's a likable fellow, but he's annoying. In his yeah, I was going to say, his
1: gimmick's that he's annoying, which is even worse than being a babyface. He's a tryhard. Fucking nobody likes a tryhard.
2: Yeah. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listeners of this show would disagree. They like me a lot. <laughs> oh,
1: come on, Jeff. You're a natural. You're not trying oh, hard. Oh,
2: man. No, but you know what? You, they, they they don't know how to tell the natural story with Sami Zayn in any way. They know, they know the buzzwords. They know the under dog from the underground, but they don't know how to tell that story on television instead of just saying it. And it's,
1: I don't, they also kind of don't have the personnel on the SmackDown roster to facilitate that big underdog victory for Sammy to build to. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think in a weird way, if he was on raw with all of the giants, you've got more underdog stories to tell having him be an underdog against Bobby Roode. I mean, they'll have fine matches, but it doesn't really play to the underdog nature since they're of similar size and stature. You you don't have as many big dudes over on SmackDown.
2: No, I agree. I I think that hurts him a bit. Uh, One story I do like, and it's for a guy that, uh, you know, we thought, well, what are they going to do with him? What are they doing with him? He's so likable. And then they just didn't do anything. I like this Ty Dillinger build to the AJ Styles match next week. Me too. It was nice and subtle in a way, because look, Ty's still losing. Baron Corbin is still their guy for some reason. And AJ Styles doesn't look bad, but the way that Ty Dillinger is losing still is helping him in many ways.
1: I agree. And one more thing I wanted to hit on before I think we move on to NXT is just in defense of the merits of the brand split. So we're coming up on football season. Right. And I think one of the clever things that WWE has now with the brand split is they're going to lose viewership to football on Mondays, at least on the live side. So rather than overemphasizing Raw, you put the more interesting stuff onto SmackDown and you can kind of play with the roster that way so that during this time of year, it can be quote unquote SmackDown's time of year and you can put additional spotlight onto SmackDown. So I don't know how much they're going to play with that, but if they do, I think that's a real nice built-in asset that they have, especially since they're on USA both nights of the week.
2: Yeah. Now the only other thing on on SmackDown I was going to talk about real quick was this Carmella James Ellsworth thing.
1: Oh, yeah, what the hell's going on with this? This is weird.
2: I, You know what? I think it's more just they want to view Carmella as in charge of the partnership rather than being equal partners, so that's how they scripted it. That was
1: always implied, though. I, I mean, James Ellsworth changed. he Dude, he changed every element of his being in order to be more carmella Right. But he started wearing, like, the doofus jackets and the doofus pants.
2: In the course of this, he was the story, though. He was the story in the Money in the Bank match. He's the story on the cash-ins, the phony cash-ins, or the promos. and And, you know what? To me, it was just kind of resetting the partnership a bit. At first I bought into it. At first I thought Ellsworth is getting cut after this. They've, they've, they've seen the usefulness of him die. And now it's just going to be kind of a Stockholm syndrome program on um, kind of, I think, a- as opposed to just James Ellsworth, it's helping Carmella out. No, Carmela is going to order James Ellsworth when she wants to help him. I think, I think that's all it really is. I don't think there's anything, you know, anything too much else to it other than Vince gets his job. Oh, I think
1: they're actually Vince gets
2: yeah, his I think job. They're flirting He's with watching, the romance stuff. Watching yeah. watching other guys' girlfriends kiss dudes to try and to try and work especially with Cass being out for so long and probably watching on TV week after week.
1: He wants to cuck Cass. It's a weird Vince pathology. You think uh, so? It, it, I, it, there is i don't think that's the only motivation but i just want you, I on, record. That I
2: just want you on record saying yes or no cuz i don't care either way it's just funny to me that you're the one who brought it up as opposed to me cuz then everybody'll go oh that's just jeff reading too much into things <laughs> no cuz he's done this in the past with other
1: wrestlers too or other like you know relationships that are backstage and he makes it a point to split up those people on screen or maybe partner the female with another male wrestler to try to create romance or kind of create discord and if you see it enough times over a number of years you see a pattern there and i i think that there is an argument to be made that perhaps vince enjoys playing with his action figures uh Mm -hmm. and playing with his toys
2: anything on 205 live i didn't watch it
1: um, so Enzo goes over in the Fatal Five-Way match, as you might expect. Enzo is kind of cribbing a little bit of the Austin Aries heel stuff, except that it's nowhere near as fun as when Austin Aries was talking about poking people in his eye. He's also doing a little bit of the Eddie Guerrero thing. in In this particular case, we are teasing more and more tension between Cedric Alexander and... Enzo Amore so on Raw Enzo comes out he starts cutting the promo he starts talking about mm-hmm. cheating Graham Metalik and Cedric Alexander separate away from Enzo physically yeah. and in the main event here in 205 live Cedric Alexander goes on a big rush he gets three lumbar checks in a row and he ends up kind of juggernauting his way until it's him and Enzo Amore and Enzo Amore just comes in and snipes the win in the fatal five way
2: that sounds, you know what? That sounds like WWE booking. How soon before crowds start turning on Enzo Amore? You think?
1: I think we are starting to get there, but what's going to need to happen is someone's going to have to juxtapose themselves as the real babyface and the real competitor. I, I want to say real quickly about 205 Live. I know a lot of people skip it, but Neville's fucking awesome. Oh, he's great, and he's he great. has been so good. All this year, his promos, he was not a great promo in the past. He has become a really good promo. Every time he does promos or any of these backstage vignettes and everything, his delivery is really solid. He has a clear grasp of his character. He feels like a fucking champion. I, I hope hope that Enzo's screwing over Neville sort of leads to an enraged, still heelish, but kind of babyface Neville like a righteous indignation iteration of this character
2: I'm going to do a 180 on 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 the question I just asked you cuz something clicked in my brain crowds aren't going to turn on Enzo want to know why cuz he's the watchable thing on this 205 live yep you know you he's need the to per- have that. he's the personality that they've been needing so it's going to be one of those things where you don't want them to be so hateable that people who are already not staying for 205 Live don't stay. I think they're going to pull back on this heelish stuff. I, I do eventually, oh, okay. eventually.
1: No, I'm with you, though. I think that it's a narrative cul-de-sac because you don't have a baby face on that 205 roster that I think is strong enough to withstand the Enzo Amore vocal blast of nicknames and all this other shit because, yeah, Captain Underpants, maybe you chuckled when you saw it on television. That is not good for the Drew Gulak character. No, and the Drew Pepper Gulak... Jack, maybe, the, yeah. Yeah,
2: the Drew Gulak character is fantastic in vignettes. I know, and I love him. And, and he should be the guy to go one-on-one with Enzo in terms of saying all these things and cutting a really good promo. I think Austin Aries was probably the guy
1: That would be the guy to play off of Enzo, is you have Austin there as the real babyface and the real competitor, and he's also the guy on the mic who is also really entertaining. So you have Enzo cutting these heelage promos, talking about how he's so great, and he can be really obnoxious, but he needs to play off someone. I'm worried right now that it's going to be Cedric Alexander trying to play off of Enzo Amore, and Cedric is going to get the John Cena Roman Reigns treatment.
2: Oh, I. You know what? I think Cedric is a good call. I think it might be Swan or Tazawa, and Tazawa would be. Uh, that'd be. I mean, after the Met- leak interaction, I I have fears of what Enzo might say in a Tazawa promo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, that could be interesting though, because having Titus there could be helpful. Yeah, we're still not really sure what the hell they're doing with Apollo Cruz. He's a guy that's employed by this company, uh, mm-hmm. but it, that could be it. Could be interesting having Tizawa there because the crowd has generally attached to Tizawa, and I think that he has earned the respect of the fans of 205 Live, such as they were, in a way that other guys haven't necessarily. Maybe Gentleman Jack. Might be an interesting foil. People, you know, Gallagher has kind of been moved down the card substantially, but he's a guy who can talk yeah. and might be able to establish that Enzo Amore is a guy without honor.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where where they they had guys in the pipeline that if they had pulled the trigger on them, and then they got doubt about it, they they doubt. I mean, like they could have put it on Austin Aries or Gallagher at any time. And they would have had maybe a new star if they had, you know, with the with the usual WWE caveat, if they did it right. Um, right, right. You know, even Swan, even Swan could have done it if they, you know, let him have the belt for a while. Andrade
1: Cien Almas, uh, I don't know what the long-term plan for him is. But uh, certainly seeing what 205 Live is a brand has been able to do for Neville. I know it's generally believed to be an unsuccessful brand, but I certainly think that there have been successes inside of a brand that is generally not particularly successful. Neville is one of those. I think Almas, as a champion with Zelina Vega, who uh, we'll get to NXT here, but I think she's fucking awesome on the microphone. I think that would help a lot.
2: It's a great segue. So, yeah, we're going into it. Because I I liked... uh... Uh, Bonani a lot in that match, but that, that, that move yep. with, when almost does like, I think the spinning elbow and it popped like that. I just, when I hear things like that, like moves like that, I just like the, just laughing at the pain of it kind of thing. Oh, I, I love it. That there are two times for that for me this week. There was that. And then I, I watched a lot of the uh, May young classic and there's a match with Mercedes Martinez and Shayna Baszler and Mercedes just chops the crap out of Shane Pesler and it I mean it's Garvin versus Flair type of chops and it it's it was something but no I like the I like the, C- I like the C- alma's rebirth I like Zelina I want them to tone it down on the on the uh how should I put We're this not the, in the, love. The, the the no the the Rusev Lana type of dynamic Oh okay. Of oh okay, you don't like the know, crush. Kind of okay, I, I don't sure. Want the sure. Crush I mean, I I want him to, I'd much rather be a more organic, stay focused type of yelling from Zelina rather than, rather than, you know, Mortal Kombat yelling, finish him.
1: (laughs) No, no, I'm with you. I I think that there's a fine line between those two things. I, I do like, I just like the way that they got here with Zelina Vega, where they established for a long time that Almas was adrift and kind of not mentally focused when he got into these matches, and Vega has just tightened up all of it. And I I liked it. I I thought that this opening match was very successful, and it didn't make Cesar Bononi look like a goob. Like, I think that he comes out having benefited from this.
2: It's one of those things, and I think last time you were here, I brought it up. Maybe not. Maybe I did it with Rob also, but it's really the first time they've done one of these losing streak because you're not focused gimmicks and it's come back around to where the 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 wrestler has credibility because they do these losing streak gimmicks like i think Sami Zayn's about to get this gimmick they did it with MVP at one point and it never they never get back that stardom and this is one of the few rare times that they've done this and it, and it's and it's helped
1: yeah i i mean even when did they change up his music to the thing that he currently has
2: i think that's always been his music
1: Oh, okay. Well, th- the crowd seems to like it. They like they clap along to it now in a way yeah. that they certainly didn't in the past.
2: Welcome back to NXT television, Cassius. Ono. I liked this Tommy match quite a bit. I th- yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I love indie darling Chris Hero back. I mean, <laughs> Having a hard hitting type of match that he's known for. I mean, I I know that I know there are questions about his cardio and his look, and they make him wrestle in a shirt because they don't want to see his gut and, you know, maybe get some gear that helps him as opposed to, you know, making fun of him in some ways. But, oh, I love... Yeah, hard. he doesn't I need love... to be
1: in trunks, probably. Yeah. I, I think, like, you know, tights would probably help the man.
2: I love hard-hitting Cassius Ono. I do, and I love... I love, I love him, it t-
1: though. He's a really good wrestler. I I, I think it's, it's a shame that people get so hung up on the fact that he's a little overweight uh, and, you know, ignore the fact that One, he looks like a wrestler because of his size and just his stature. And two, he works like him and Kenta had a fucking awesome match here. This is, this was a very, very solid match.
2: For me, he has tough guy credibility, no matter if he's a little heavy. I mean, the brother doesn't like cardio. I don't like cardio. I can relate. (laughs) You know, I, I, you know, I just, I, but, but I like, I hope that this leads to more Ono on television as opposed to, you know, um, and I, I don't know what they're going to do with the Tommy here. I think a Tommy may just – this may be the one of the last programs he's in and he's gone. I don't think they resign re-sign him, do you?
1: I don't know why you would, which is such a fucking shame to say yeah. about Hideo Atami because I love him, but they're not doing anything with him. They now have Adam Cole that they need to build up to. You've created this show-me-respect character. I guess – I guess I – guess. He yeah. could go to the main roster.
2: It's that Lou Gehrig situation where, <laughs> where the original first baseman's out. They, they he's the big first international talent, you know that they make a big deal about. But since then, they've signed all these other guys. You know they've signed the the Owenses, the 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 Finn Ballers, you know, and and the Samoa Joes. and they just all bypass him. And it's kind of like now it's just like well, that time was past, and it's unfortunate. That you had, to, you had to hurt yourself in a house show in Largo.
1: <laughs> it's kind of a shame. It's like through no fault of his own, the opportunity passed. But it's sort of definitive that the opportunity has passed. Unless he was going to become a tag team champion down in NXT. But they have plans for that. I, I don't see where he fits it, actually. Where he might be useful, I don't know that he'd want to do this. Would be on two hundred five live.
2: Yeah, no, that that was my thought too. They need a good, they need a, another good heel presence. But you know, you know, they they just don't do well with what they already have. It, it's one of those things where we go, man, he'd really do well here, but it's, he'd be just another guy, and they don't already use their tools up to their potential on two hundred five live because <laughs> two hundred five leave.
1: <laughs> yes uh th- some people might know it as that uh yeah. so um i i wanted to say i like uh zeta who has been or zeta who has been getting burned in the may young classic but also got some burn here this week on uh, nxt television uh her real name is julia uh ho and yeah. uh her mma nickname is do you know this it's uh will killa
2: no, I did not know.
1: Julia will kill a hoe. I knew,
2: I knew her, uh, uh, Julia Ho or Julie Real. She's kind of a singer actress out here in L.A. For right. So Fitness mall. No, I mean she's one of the ones in the PC that that you know one of the. I mean she's only been at the at, with WWE for I think six months. Possibly. Yeah. So I mean, but you know, and she's she good. The, she's and she had, got an upside. Yeah, she had the match against. Uh, she has personality, which helps a lot, and she looked decent against uh, Shayna in the uh, mm-hmm. in the May Young tournament. Um, one last. That's the MMA I,
1: background. Yeah, and that's why she got paired up with Sonia Deville. So I I think that she has found wwe at a really good time where they're bringing in more mma style talents and yeah. her background in mma is going to serve her well
2: and i think i think she'll probably work well with like a tanara conti who's the judo sure. ground um before i go more into that a little bit um on on this oscar promo um the one thing that didn't click with me was William Regal looking at Asuka and going, you've you've always fought or defended this title with honor. Right. Like, like, wasn't you like pushing referees in the way? And, like, I just went, I just went, get the F out of here, Regal. In high profile
1: matches, she was cheating and like her final <laughs> angle in the company was, she was just cheating to beat fucking ember mood it's it's that,
2: it's that it's that it's that history of convenience that wwe is well known for it's you know we've already always respected our female performers like trish stratus bark like a dog uh, <laughs> type of thing.
1: right yeah yeah exactly and i
2: cracked up and i you know i i don't mind uh i don't mind the 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 you know the the kind of contrived we are nxt thing because that's the branding and i get it um since Rob I right. thought that
1: her promo was really good, though. I, I thought yeah. that, you know, Asuka has, she's struggled with some of the dialogue stuff in the past, including backstage segments. It's been kind of a bumpy road here in NXT when she's been doing promos. This promo was a big deal for her, and I thought she came and did a really good job. Her delivery on all of the dialogue was really solid. I I thought she did really good. It was simple stuff. It was, you know, obviously basic scripting. They weren't trying to kill her. They weren't doing the thing that I hate in WWE, where they infix clauses to people who speak English as a second language. So you would go like... The other day, I was just thinking about blah 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 blah, blah. and then blah, blah blah like another clause after that. Like they didn't do any of that; they kept it in simple declarative sentences. And I just thought all of it came together very nicely and created a nice little moment, minus the part that you highlighted.
2: Yeah, Oscar's my ride or die. I will, I will, I will be with her till the end. Um, and she doesn't need to say much because she has credibility. All she has to do, no, nobody better than Oscar. <laughs>
0: All
1: right. Nobody I, is I, ready for Oscar.
2: Nobody ready for Oscar, and yeah, that too. It's like, all right, I believe you. <laughs> I've seen you kick women's heads off. I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, what the hero
1: send off too worked really well.
2: Yeah, except for the roses. Again, steak and bourbon for that girl. She does. She doesn't need roses. She ain't. She ain't. She ain't a dainty flower. She is a badass killer. <laughs> yeah,
1: I could see, like, a victory cigar. Like, I, cigar, I could see Oscar just chom- I, yeah, uh, chomping on a big Cuban. Yeah. Lots of
2: cigars, red meat, and brown liquor. That's that's what I want in a woman like that. That's
1: <laughs> Absolutely. What, Absolutely. What,
2: what brand do you think she ends up on, Raw or SmackDown?
1: I think they're—Charlotte's on SmackDown right now, right? Yes. I think she's building to a match with Charlotte, so I guess she's going to SmackDown.
2: I think she's going to go on Raw. I, I
1: Oh, and she's going to face Nia.
2: I think, and I think Nia may beat her eventually. No! To, to build Nia. I think they would her to build Naya. I don't want to see that. I'd love to see matches. Like, I want to see Becky and Asuka very badly in, like, a 15-minute just suplex battle. Yes.
1: No, I don't want Nia. Right. Man, we're at Nia's ceiling like like they, she's going to improve a little bit and and as you said she seems wonderfully nice and she does all the stuff online and seems like a very nice person you take but that in terms of in-ring work
2: take that what? back when she pulls out the Nia Salt at WrestleMania
1: I, I will. You, you're right. I will. I will retract it on the Naya assault or the uh, the Naya shooting star press.
2: <laughs> it's gonna be like Brock or Vader all of a sudden. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> well, uh, Vader was able to do his high flying moves without breaking his neck. There, that's a notable difference <laughs> between Brock and Vader.
2: Very, very true. But you know, I, I think, man. I mean, as long as they don't do what they did with Nakamura with the long, like you said, the additional claws promo. And just have her be a kill. I think she'll be okay for a while until people get used to her move set. Seeing her week after week. I mean, that's the other thing that NXT doesn't do is they don't put people off. It's a grind week after. Yeah. I mean, it's a familiarity breeds, breeds contempt type of situation. Um, so I, yeah, I, one of the reasons I didn't watch two Oh five live and um, I apologize to the listeners. I had, plugged a show about the May Young Classic, but the person I had to co-host with me uh father died on the day of on the day before taping. So they had to drop out. So I didn't get to record my special episode, but I have now watched all of the May Young Classic. Um I was gonna be an apologist for this tournament before even going in because I watched the Parade of Champions video. And the first time I kind of watched it, I went, okay, they coached all the women to do their, you know, the WWE style signature move at the top of the ramp type thing. But they had them do it in the middle of the ring, you know, as they introduced one another. And then I went back and I watched it again. And the first two women they introduced were were Dakota Kai and Serena Deeb and the joy on these two women's faces. Now, it might have been just working, but they seemed like this is one of the biggest stages I've ever been on. I've been th- and I'm thrilled to be here. And I kind of threw any snark or cynicism out the window, uh, here. And I'm, I've also kind of just come to the conclusion that I really like women's wrestling because it's as close to eighties territory style wrestling as I'm going to ever get again. All the women are a little bit different. They, they don't, uh, they're not all jacked supermodels and they're not all doing kind of the same moves over and over again. They kind of have to work at the same athletic pace as when you watch an 80s guy, which is to say I think the 90s guys are possibly too athletic in terms of it doesn't seem like a real fight for me. But uh, you've only seen a couple episodes. General thoughts so far from you.
1: So far, I like the influx of MMA talent, as uh, I mentioned earlier in the show here. And I was thinking as I was watching this that – Really, it is time for WWE to give the women their own show, their own weekly show. And I want to speak in defense of this because I can already hear like woke wrestling Twitter clacking keys off in the distance in the future here. Think about this, guys. So for a long time, we've had the women on the main roster and, and now they're on SmackDown and Raw brand. They have two women's titles. They're in the middle of the card. They're in the middle of the card. The idea of including them... As uh, the champions, the the idea was, oh, this is going to not be separate but equal. These women are going to be on an equal plane as the men. And they tried to do that for a while, a, a brief period of time. And it worked for a minute. But the second you put the universal title on Brock Lesnar, you have no female equivalent to Brock Lesnar. So that moves the female title way below the status of the universal title, the men's championship. So it's already not equal on the main roster. So I think it would be better for all of these women, especially as WWE is getting more and more talented women, to have a separate show with a main women's title, a mid-card title, and a women's tag team division so that you could showcase some of these great new talents that are coming, because I really worry that you bring them in And they just get lost in a stupid feud on Monday Night Raw over Twitter hashtags.
2: No, I agree. But I'm also, I mean, watching this, we were viewing, I think people were chattering about the wrong thing here. I really came to the conclusion that this wasn't like the Cruiserweight Classic in that they were looking for talent on the indies to sign this was kind of a bring in a lot of talented women from the indies to see what they have at the performance center in terms of women already under contract. Because if you'll notice, all the women right. that they have under contract, the short timers that are there, with the exception of Lacey Evans, who's been on TV a few times, they got put in with some of the more most experienced people out there. And they wanted to see how they measured up. And I think most of them. Did all right for themselves. I mean, you can tell the ones who are pure performance center who have never had any other training in addition because they kind of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, they work kind of the what I like to call the fitness model style of wrestling and that they don't know how to throw a punch or a kick. And they're just kind of doing, you know, the the duck under clothesline, you know, into spear spots or things like that. But they're doing
1: gymnastics.
2: They're doing actually having a match. Yes. I mean, but there is a lot to like in this tournament and, and I I don't want to do you a disservice by, by talking too much about various matches, but I'll say this in terms of performance center, people, Bianca Belair, I have never done a 180 as quickly on a talent as I have Bianca Belair. Um,
1: okay. Okay.
2: She, she did that. She did the qualifying match on NXT and I kind of went, meh, okay, whatever. She, she's a woman with long hair. I get it. And then she did the first round match against. Uh, she was Sage Beckett, who was, uh, I think, Athena in 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 Shimmer. I can't remember her name. Or in Evolve, she she was matched up with SoCal Valley. I remember she was the bodyguard. But I went. Oh, okay, okay sure, sure. I went. Okay, Bianca's all right. This match against Kyrie Sane, that she does third round or second round of the tournament, she is fantastic. She, she is. A, she has a 1980s heel gimmick in that her hair is a weapon, much like the Bob Bob Orton cast type thing, and she, she. I guess she has beads on it for sound, but she whips Kyrie Sane with this hair, and puts welts all over Kyrie Sane's body to the point where I felt bad for Kyrie being in the ring there. But she. She has power and agility. Because she she was a track athlete, I guess, at the University of Tennessee. She does she does the Michael Elgin squats during a a uh, suplex spot, and then she goes oh, up fun. and does and then she goes up and does a four fifty splash. I mean, she is fan friggin' tastic. She is ready for a woman show or to be on week after week. I mean, and to be in there with high level comp. Uh, the, i I'm all for the steel sharpened steel stuff. So. Um, yeah, Me I'm too. All...
1: I, I think that having softer divisions ultimately just dulls the yeah. talents on those divisions. So, And, and uh, to your point, too, earlier about worrying about what happens with Asuka when she gets onto the main roster and we have to see her every week. This is one of the reasons why I like the idea of having a women's show, so that you have high-quality... In ring action every week during that hour, but you don't necessarily have to overexpose everyone every week because you've got enough depth on the roster that you don't run into that problem.
2: I mean, after the first round, which you know there were three really good matches in that. That was uh the Abby Laith, aka Princess Kimberly, versus uh Alpha Female. What? Which? Oh, Jazzy Gabbard. Yeah, yeah. That was a really right. great David and Goliath match and. Look, I, I wasn't big on Kimberly and Chikara, but she does well for herself in this tournament. I thought she's one of the standouts to me in her matches. Uh, the Tessa Blanchard Kyrie Sane first round was fantastic, as as you know, the, this is the quote unquote Gargano Ciampa of the first round where you put in two really good people in there. Um, you know, I. I liked Lacey Evans and Tainara Conti for what it was. I like that they're two women who can get physical because one's a Marine and one's a judo practitioner. So you can throw them both around a bit and they're not going to be dainty. I, I, you know, I like that aspect of it. I really want to see Tainara Conti and Alexa bliss just once in a tag team as two short blonde women who are feisty. I I just, for some reason that makes me laugh. Uh, But the second round is where it really gets going. I thought they, they, they do, they do a nice in Shimmer, they have a stable called Trifecta, which is Nicole Savoy, Mercedes Martinez, and Shayna Baszler, and it's fantastic. because no one can talk like Nicole Savoy, she just has the swagger, and she does great for this tournament. She's in a match with Candice LeRae. That's pretty darn good here, but uh, but they they play the story of Marti- Martinez and Shayna up, and 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 that they have a really nice match here. Tony Storm. Does well for herself. I got to see her at uh, at Progress and Shimmer in, in Orlando, or not, yeah, in Orlando, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the second and third rounds are really good. You know, the, the Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley. I mean, there's a lot of standouts. I don't want to go match by match because, you know, it, it's unfair to the people who haven't seen it. But uh, when you drop
1: all of these episodes on Monday, right, yeah. it makes it really tough because, Here I have three hours and change of Monday Night Raw to watch on Monday. I have two hours plus 205 Live on Tuesday. So that's another three hours. I've got NXT on Wednesday. That's another hour. So there's seven hours. And then you also drop this big binge watch on a Monday. I probably would have, if I was planning this out at WWE headquarters, waited until Thursday to drop it.
2: I might have, I too.
1: that makes I've, people more likely to watch it.
2: You know what? I would have dropped, like, two episodes at a time. I think that would have been yes. helpful, especially with all the other programming. Um, the Labor Day holiday helped me a lot, and then I could watch it on a day off. But, no, I mean... But,
1: see, I think that might hurt some people because they might be out of town. Like, Labor Day weekend might be an awful weekend for that.
2: Four one-hour episodes is a lot to expect people to watch and then have the finals next week. I mean, if they had done... You know, if they had done all eight episodes and then waited two months for the finals, I think that might have been okay. Or two episodes a week, and that would have been okay. But if you're expecting people to be WWE completists, which they do, I mean, you already have not 10 hours of of entertainment to watch before this. And, and the chances of burnout are so heavy. But, I mean, the finals are next week, live in Vegas, after... I guess after SmackDown, but before Two Hundred Five Live, or maybe Two Hundred Five Live isn't on next week. Uh, spoilers, so I'll give people a couple seconds to turn down their volume if they don't want to know who's in the finals. Three, two, one. Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane, which kind of uh, kind of expected because I think they tipped their yeah. hand, they they tip their hand a bit too early on the horsewomen feud. For my liking, and that, oh, Ronda Rousey's here. Ronda's her friend. Ronda's famous, you know, type of thing. I would have rather they kind of strung that along as opposed to first match out. They show them getting, they show the rooting section and they show, you know, Charlotte and company. Um, yeah. Once
1: you see, once you see sport. the horsewomen out ringside during that first Shayna Baszler match versus Zeta, like you're like, oh, Okay, they're going to push the shit out of Shayna Baszler because you don't bring in Ronda Rousey to watch Shayna lose.
2: Right. And and look, they did a great story with the Mercedes Shayna match. I thought because of being in the stable and Mercedes kind of being Shayna's mentor because it's just 2 years this month that Shayna's been in wrestling. She hasn't been in that long. She does and you know what? She was a good but not great MMA practitioner, but you know, yeah, that that's the whole story here.
1: I don't think you have to be a great MMA practitioner no. to pick up the fundamentals no. that I make you a that. better wrestler.
2: I wasn't No, the, like
1: the, it's that thing that doesn't make you like a performance center, I'm just doing gymnastics, WWE style wrestler. I think oh, yeah. the MMA mindset, having any background in that makes you think about your match more like a fight.
2: Right. I, I, I just was like, they're like she's a killer. She's and I'm like, Okay, yeah, I can see that for for wrestling, sure. Um, there's a part of me that goes, yeah, but she has Ronda Rousey with her. Ronda's an actual killer or used to be at one time. So, um, I think, you know, I think the story, I mean, they, on commentary in later episodes, they play up that Kyrie has never missed the elbow and they've already done the spot where someone tries a finisher and, and Shayna goes into the chokehold. I think that's the fit, right? I think Shayna wins yeah. to the tournament and they build up to horsewomen Ronda and her special friends match, and then they eventually build up to Stephanie versus Ronda at Mania. Yeah,
1: that all sounds incredibly plausible. Uh, although I don't have really a lot of interest in Stephanie versus Ronda. I don't uh, either, I don't but, but it's, the,
2: it's a spectacle. I mean, I could see them doing Charlotte and Ronda, but I could also yes. see them. But I could also see them saying, "Well, who's the bigger star between Charlotte and Stephanie, and who are people going to want to watch?" Because it doesn't have to be a great match. Because the buzz is already going to have people involved, kind of like Shane McMahon and AJ Styles.
1: If only there was like a, a an undefeated female talent on the <laughs> roster who had been building up cachet for like let's say a little bit over a year, maybe almost two years, and, and had never lost yet, and you could make it like this premier match between this undefeated female superstar—I uh, don't have a name for them—and uh, Ronda Rousey.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it seems obvious, but you know they have their thoughts and they think McMahons are stars, so I could totally just see them using the – and this is the problem I had was thinking of it like a wrestling company as opposed to an entertainment company in that you kill kill the credibility of your entire women's division in one match by having them lose to Shayna and Ronda and their two special friends. I mean I'm just like – but, you know, but they end up making more money out of that because they get the water cooler talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, honestly, you're going to get the water cooler talk whenever Ronda Rousey wrestles in WWE's ring at WrestleMania. I, I think that that's sort of a given. and mm-hmm. It almost doesn't really matter who her opponent is. I, I mean, I wouldn't have it be against Scrubs O'Magu, but it, whether it's Stephanie or Asuka or Charlotte, I think that the dividends are about the same.
2: I think Kyrie's great. I think she's adorable. Uh, <laughs> like, there's, there's, oh my I'm a pirate. Okay. You know, I kind of had the same JR. Yes, thought yeah, for yeah. a moment, but it's just like at the same time, it's like she has a spinning wheel and she just smiles all the time. So it's like, you know, she's a killer, but she's also like that. Oh, it's like that go, go, you bari thing from, uh, from kill bill. You know, it's like, oh, she's a she's a schoolgirl with a mace that <laughs> she'll just whack you in the face. with. It's, it's It's weird. The only thing about Kyrie's presentation in this that I don't like is that she does three taunts before the elbow. And so, yeah, like, in that right. first round match against Tessa, Tessa's laying there forever. And look, I am a noted Blanchard family apologist. I like Tessa Blanchard move on with your lives people <laughs> um,
1: wow and, it sounds like someone's uh, like, taking some heat over don't this you know she,
2: don't you know that she's she gets in trouble for having a bad attitude and i go well that's the blanchard family kids i, I forgive that because i like the blanchards um but she's laying there forever waiting for Kyrie to do it do her three taunts before hitting the elbow and i'm like i get the spectacle of it guys one's enough. (laughs) She has to hit the elbow in a certain kind of thing, but uh, yeah, no, it's worth your time to watch the rest of it. Um, The one utterly skippable match is, of course, the one that they changed the finish up midway through, which is the Marty Bell versus Rachel Evers match, which is, uh, which was the only one that offended my senses. And I feel bad for Marty Bell because, you know, she, she, she did not, she didn't whine. She didn't complain about it. She came. They brought her back to get a makeup in a, in a six-person match that went unaired on these specials, and she apparently did fine for herself there. Sometimes you just have a bad day. Unfortunately, sometimes that bad day is on the biggest stage of your career.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, and she's a talent that I've never... I think she's fine, but she's not a talent that I've ever been super high on, so uh, I think that th- this... I don't know if this permanently shut the door for her at WWE, but I, I think it's going to be hard to get through.
2: Yeah, I I I still would like to record a couple episodes about this, but, you know, it's probably a bit too late to get out before the uh, before the finals. And, you know, when you have a death in the family, my co-host was just in no mood to record. So I apologize, guys. I teased it before, but sometimes life happens. But uh,
1: and I apologize, guys, I didn't have more time to watch all of this. I've only got to really watch an episode and a half.
2: You watch 205 for me, so, so that's a makeup call. We've gone a little bit longer than Rob likes, but he's not here, so the heck with him. Chris, thanks again for joining me. Tell us about your shows. Plug your Twitter. Say whatever you would like.
1: Absolutely. So my other podcast, or my other two podcasts, one is Lucha of the Hidden Temple, which I'm about to tape right after this, and you can find that, of course, on VoicesOfWrestling.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, I host a news and politics show called Don't Worry About the Government. That is over at Don'tWorry.TV on iTunes and on Stitcher. And, by the way, guys, if you are into fantasy basketball, we are getting closer to fantasy basketball season I am the Voices of Wrestling 2016-2017 Fantasy Basketball Champion. I will be trying to organize another league here this year, a rotisserie auction 12-team league. So if you or anyone is interested, we're going to keep casual, we're going to keep it free. Uh, But if you want to learn how to do fantasy this year, this is a great chance for you to learn how to do fantasy. And you might learn a thing or two along the way and get into it. So hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at... C-H R I S N O V E M B R I N O. And basketball season is coming up sooner than you think, guys. It's only like five or six weeks away. So get with me and we will get a league going. Thanks so much for having me on, Jeff.
2: Not a problem. I'm I'm very happy uh that I'll have a little bit more interest in this basketball season because uh I'm really happy London Parentes got signed by the Spurs. I I I he's okay. he's gonna be great dishing the ball around. He's one of those he's such a Popovich type of guy in that he's smart and he does fundamentals well, even though he's not considered a superstar. So I'm happy about that. Um,
1: I'm excited about Teodosic over on the LA Clippers. Same sort of idea. He's like the best international passer to ever come over from like, or the best FIBA player that has not come to NBA yet. He's like 30.
2: Slow down. Best pass, better passer than Arvidas Sabonis.
1: No, 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 no. Well, Sabonis has been in the NBA. I'm saying, like, the best pass are currently active in FIBA. No, no, dude. Like, no one's better than fucking Sabonis. (laughs) And we didn't even get, like, peak Sabonis in the NBA. No, No, but Teodosic should be a lot of fun over on the Clippers this year, in addition to all the other many great moves in the league. I I don't want to keep us hanging in the plugs here. But, yeah, I'm really excited about this season.
2: Well, I got to get mine in. My my Twitter handle is at CrapGame13, mostly wrestling, occasional asides, stupid inanities. Uh, you can follow the show Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Uh Thank you for uh, listening. Please go support our sponsor, Blue Apron. And I would never, ever end on any kind of a cliffhanger. From last time you were on, we never really got an answer. Have you ever seen a ghost?
0: Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs?